Welcome back. This is a new episode of Polymaths. It is uh, myself and Ash. We've got Ash on Skype. We're going to chat away for about an hour. Um, Ash has got to scoot off after that, but I um, thought we'd definitely get together. Now we've got uh, a bit of time and things have calmed down a little bit. You'll find out what we've been up to in the podcast. But until then, this is episode 30. If you would like to leave a review on any of the podcast apps that you download or listen to this on, that would be much appreciated. And feel free to share it out and tell your friends. Um, We don't do any kind of advertising or anything. It's pretty much just uploaded onto my website. It's something that myself and Ash have been doing for probably over two years now. It's just, just as a conversational exercise. It's very, very good fun anyway, but uh, if you would like to if you would like to follow us on Twitter, we hand out all the Twitter names in a second, but until then, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. This is episode 30. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Polymaths. This is Carlsley Chris, which is talking, and we've got Ash on Skype, who is currently, well, he's, he's over, not in England, we'll talk about that in a minute, but... Um, Yep, I am Chris Frossin. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Chris Frossin, F-R-O-S-I-N. It's dead easy. You can find the Polymath Podcast on PolymathCast on Twitter, at PolymathCast. And my co-host, who is sitting with uh, very scraggly hair on Skype, is... Ashley. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I did, dude. I'm doing well, yeah. I was going to say, you can, you can find... Uh... Uh, my thing's on uh, Complete Calisthenics, that's on Facebook, um, the website as well, and also ColstonArchery.com now. Yes. We'll talk about as well. Which is going to be a big thing that we're going to be nattering on about in a bit. So, mm. uh, Definitely. Got my cup of tea, which is uh, essential when we're over in England. So, yeah. Mine's, mine's being made. Yours is being made. Yours are going to be brought in by a butler in a minute. Fantastic. So we've been incredibly, we've not been on air as much recently because we've been very busy doing lots of lots of things so you've been with us let's start with um the amount of traveling i suppose that you've been up to uh, so if you want to break down let's go back how far should we go back four months go back four months and tell everybody what you've been planning and sorting out well, I mean, end of end of 2015, me and uh, me and my partner Siobhan went to or, or came to Canada uh, for September and October uh, because we, we were seriously considering uh, emigrating, and I loved it so much that we uh, sort of put plans into place and, and started the immigration, you know, started getting documents together, started the immigration system or process, and uh, yeah, we then decided to um, uh, come back to Canada to test out the winter. Because we were like, right, well, we really, we like, ninety nine percent sure we want to go, but we need to know that we can cope with winter because this is, it's not extreme out here, but it is in some places. But um, you know, you need to know that you can cope with sort of three, four months of snow and you know, brushing the car down and, and ice on the roads and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, and the cold as well, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we did. So we've uh, we've come back to Vernon, which is in the centre of uh, British Columbia in the Okanagan Valley. And uh, we've spent December, uh, January, and February here. Uh, we're going over to the East Kootenays, um, which is probably three or four hours east of where we are now. It's not quite in um, Alberta, still in British Columbia. Uh, probably three, four hours from Banff and Canmore, uh, if any listeners know where they are. And um, yes, yeah, so we'll be there for two months, maybe a little bit longer. Or we might come back uh, to the Okanagan for the summer. Uh, if we extend our uh, visitor visa, and uh, yeah, we're, we're quite close to being picked. So how uh, does exactly. how does the picking how does the picking work? Because you've got you've been you've been telling me about the number of points that you have to kind of acquire and accumulate, um, and then the people who are picking kind of go down a list of applicants and take the the highest scorers off the top of the list, but then they drop drop the uh, drop the point totals down and keep picking lower and lower and lower until more people kind of go through sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're assessed on your, you know, human capital, as you call it, yeah. uh, as they call it. Um, so that's your education level, uh, your work experience or number of skill, the number of years of skilled work experience. 
Um, I'll back to me. There's a T just came in. Hey! And, um, yeah, just various things like that, basically. Your education level, um, you have to do a, a language test. Um, and they just score you on these things and, and you build up a build up a profile of points and then um, uh, you enter into a, a in, into a pool and then there's always all these thousands of people in the pool and they all have different levels of points depending on their human capital scores and then every two weeks or so they'll they'll draw out uh, a load of people um, at a certain points level and above and then you just send all your documents off you actually pay your pay your fees you apply and then they make a decision in a few months. Cool. And then uh, uh, either yes or no, basically. Fantastic. So, you, yeah. how how long has how long has the process been for you now? Because it seems to have been going on for a while, and obviously I'm, I lose track of time well, as we're talking. It's it's a it's a I, I would have thought at least a year and a half, but it doesn't take that long. Um, it's mainly that you've got to gather all these documents, and if I knew exactly how to gather gather the documents quickly and efficiently. Uh, then I, I, I could do it quite quickly. So, for example, I had to get my degree assessed. Um, well, I sent that off to Toronto University. Well, they took about at least 10 weeks, maybe maybe a little bit more, 11 or 12 weeks to, to turn that around. Well, there's a place in Alberta that does it in 10 working days. Okay. Um, so it's just knowing the ins and outs. Yeah, exactly. So I, I sent my A-levels off to get assessed by them, and that was a very quick turnaround. So it's just... It's just the first time I'm doing it, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of reliable information on the internet, but there's a lot of unreliable information as well. So you've got to try and sift through, and um, uh, you know if I was to do it again, I could, I could get the whole thing done, all my documents and everything sorted within a couple of months, and then you just play the waiting game, trying to wait for the wait for yeah. the points to come down. Did you uh, did you get an advisor or anything? Uh, I, I did ask right at the beginning. I did uh, sort of schedule an appointment and then talk to a. Um, uh, an immigration lawyer in London that was uh, had dual citizenship. He'd spent a number of years living in Vancouver, and then was living in London. Um, so that that was a good that was a good help. But other than that, it, it's quite straightforward, really. Um, you just got to gather all your documents. It's a completely online process, more or less. You got to scan your documents in, um, and then yeah, it's it's, it's it's quite a good. It's, it's, it's a real good immigration system. You know, they they want to make sure that the people that that they're, they're Letting in, have got a high human capital score that they're not going to be just working in a, you know, low low skilled job for the next forty years. You know, they want yeah. they want people to advance through and so maybe start businesses and all the rest of it. Um, which is why you know, I mean, before they they used to, or last year anyway, they used to uh, offer about six hundred points for a for a job offer. Now that could be any job offer. So if you were, if I was in the UK and I, I got a job in Subway or, um, you know, a job in a, in a hospital as a doctor, you get the same number of points for a valid job offer, which obviously after a year of, of sort of stats and things, they, they realised made no sense because they were getting a ton of people in the in the country with a, a low human capital score, uh, and people weren't getting in that, that might have had a high human capital score, but no job offer. Right. So, so they reduced the number around. of points. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they reduced the number of points for a job offer uh, drastically from 600 to 50. Um, so it just made it, it made a, getting a job much, much less important and your education and your uh, language skills and your work experience and stuff much more important, uh, which is the, it's the best way to go about it because then, you know, people like me can come here, we can get a job, no no problem. I mean, I, I've got, obviously, as you know, as maybe listeners know, I write, I've got another book coming out quite soon. We've got Colson Archery that, that hopefully will make some money. Um, so then you, you know, you're not looking for a, you're not looking for a job. You can just come straight over and just integrate straight away into society, start paying these taxes and yeah. all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, but overall, a pretty easy process. Um, uh, it, it's definitely uh, it, it's definitely doable without a lawyer and, and all the rest of it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, it's a, the, the only downside is just the uncertainty. You know, you, you're in a place or you're waiting for this thing to happen and your life's a bit kind of on hold or, or you know, you're just sort of spinning your wheels, basically. Um, so, uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll get it by the end of this year. We'll be in and done, and I can sort of just just forget about it and just enjoy. <laughs> just it. chill out. So, what does what does your uh, kind of average day look like now? What uh, what kind of time do you getting up? Because obviously you have got uh, little Lance, who's how old is Lance now? Is he seven months? Oh, seven, seven months, yeah. Seven months, yeah. So he's he's uh, yeah he gets up about half five six. Um, 
So he co-sleeps with Siobhan because it's a lot easier. He sleeps a lot better. She sleeps a lot better. Um, she can feed him quicker. She doesn't have to get up. He's not in a different room. It's, it's a lot easier that way. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I have him to, uh, until he needs to feed again at maybe eight or so. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, But I can stick him in, in his bouncer or he can sit on the floor playing with his toys and he's he's quite happy there. Um, so I can just get the kitchen tidy or whatever. And then, um, yeah, once Siobhan's got him, then it's, then it's work time, basically. Um, so I've got a, uh, a book where it's a tentative title, but we're probably going to call it Bulletproof Bodies, yep. which is Injury Prevention and Rehabilitation Guide. Um, so I was approached by uh, a guy called Ross, who's a, a physiotherapist in the UK. He, he started work at um, uh, Lincoln University, I believe, as a, as a lecturer there. And uh, I think it's Lincoln anyway, at least well, oh, yeah, one of the universities uh, a bit further north. And um, yeah, he just approached me with this idea and said, you know, I really want to want to write this book. I don't really have a, I don't have an outlet or a publisher or anything. You know, would you want to collaborate on this thing 50-50? So I was like, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, we're just working our way through that at the moment. It's going very, very well. Um, sure. Because it's, you know, I've, I've done it a few times before and, and it took me a long time to write the calisthenics book. Yeah. But this one's a lot quicker. So I know what I'm doing now, and, and um, we've got a, def a much more definite plan for the book, uh, uh, an outline, yeah. uh, than I have in the calisthenics one. So that's going really well. And then, um, yeah, any Colson Archery stuff that he's doing. Uh, so I'll just jump on the CAD. Uh, so I use Fusion 360 for anybody that's um, uh, listening. It's, it's a free program if you want to get into sort of computer-aided design and, and just have a go. It's very, very intuitive. I would absolutely recommend it. Um, and then, yeah, anything to do with the archery company, I suppose, which which uh, transfers us quite well into it. Yeah, it? which is absolutely flying at the moment. So, um, yeah, we've we've, as everybody knows, we've been kind of working through and doing some little bits of product development for uh, our first first product, which I'm currently holding in my hand, uh, which is the Colson Archery HT1, which is a hinge trigger. Uh, wrist strap release for compound bows. Um, it's completely innovative design in terms of it takes two two principles or two releases, two styles of releases, and combines them into one to give a very very unique feel to the shot process. Um, and obviously, we were trying to one of the things we were trying to get hold of, or one of the things we were trying to grasp and and develop was the uh, this idea of a surprise release, a, a release which is. Uh, Completely subconscious in terms of when it's going to go off. We don't know when it's when it goes when it's when it's going to fire, uh, which allows you to concentrate purely on the accuracy and targeting. Um, so you can you can keep that uh, pin very very stable and then slowly squeeze this trigger that we've really, that we've uh, designed and it uh, goes off at a well a predetermined point, but it's not uh, it's not easily. Um, kind of guessable is it? It's not very different. Not, not very easy to know when it's going to fire. Um, which I know it sounds when you try to when, when you're explaining it like that. And I've explained it to a few people. It's like, well, how how that's got to be scary if you don't know when it's going to fire. So, well, no, it's well, not. I mean, it's rifle not, shooting is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. It's like, not. It sounds more scary than it actually is. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously not. You know, not when you're using like a you know maybe a semi-automatic or an automatic. Yeah. It's not just going off. It's not just like the, the arrow is just not just flying everywhere. You are you are aiming and you are on target. It's just your shot process, which you then start. Um, is important to have uh, a subconscious level to it. But yeah, they've. I've just uh, I've shipped ten over to you. Uh, yep. There were a couple of things that we were addressing. Um, so you've got ten. You've been shooting with it for a week and a half. Well, I mean, I've been shooting with the prototype for well months now. The, yeah. the prototype that we made a, a little while ago. Uh, so we made some change. I mean, even that was shot very, very well. Yeah. Uh, but a few design changes that we uh, uh, made to that one. Um, but I've been shooting with this, obviously, the, you know, the production ones for a while, for a while, and that they, yeah, function. But they function exactly how uh, we design them to function, which yeah. is, um, which is, I think, yeah, as you know, obviously, I'm I'm quite new to engineering the things. Um, been using the CAD program for about a year or so. Um, obviously, I know, I know you, Chris, are a bit more engineering minded, especially with the car, well, especially with cars and, and mechanics and things. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it kind of, I've always thought that's what you, you should be aiming for. You know, you're trying to make something work exactly how you want it to work. And I think we've, I think we've got there. 
yeah, it's it's and it looks it just looks really cool. I mean, holding it, I mean, we've been going through going back and back and forth and uh, having all these three D printed designs and seeing pictures and rendering pictures and but then actually having one even when we just did the prototypes when we got the prototypes in our hand it was it was a big moment but actually having the actual actually having the actual how many times can i say actual in this bloody podcast <laughs> actually holding the uh, the actual product in your hand is really really cool um, yeah it's, it's, i think we went the best way i mean for, for anybody that's um uh that doesn't know i'll admit some release aids are, are have CNC machine parts on them. Um, some have a mixture of CNC machined and and stamped parts or you know moldy parts. But um, uh, we've gone for a completely CNC machined uh, process here, um, and it just means we can get you know huge with very very good tolerances, extremely high quality, extremely high strength. Um, it means you can't you know you can't go as cheap as as some of the releases. But uh, that wasn't what we started the company for, was it? No, really? was something no. We, we wanted to. I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't mind selling fewer if we can if we can keep the quality up and, and yeah. hit our hit our you know company goal. And it kind of it kind of sits in with both of us as well because whenever I do photography, I'm I, I uh, I'm very aware of when uh, after I've done a shoot and the people the the clients want prints, I'm very aware of printing them myself because I've got complete control over where they're printed. So I have. I have uh, the printers who do all my printing at uh, ridiculous quality. It's like 402 DPI prints, photographic prints, um, rather than like an inkjet or something. And I know you're very particular about how good quality your books are as well. So I don't think there was ever a doubt that these were going to be, with you and I working on them, I don't think there was ever going to be a doubt of, oh, yeah, we'll just knock them out and we'll, we'll just get thousands and thousands out there. It was, yeah. uh, it was always going to be chasing yes. the quality I mean, and we're still we're still chasing it as well aren't we really oh yeah i mean well, we're still improving and tweaking and they're, they're going to be um yeah they're going to be launched very soon and we get we're getting the manual done the launch video done the launch video um, is brilliant it's, it's coming along yeah yeah we need, that's cool uh, Swan bought me a gopro for my um uh for my birthday last year so uh we're going to use that get some decent slow-mo footage and just try and just try and get as much information out there about it because, like, with with other release companies, there's some you know even major major release companies don't even have a YouTube channel, for example. Yeah, yeah. And they'll have an Instagram channel, but they'll only have a or Instagram page. They'll only have a few pictures up there. Um, they won't have manuals on the website, or if they do, they're, they're sort of half half-assed affairs. Yeah. Uh, we really didn't want that because I know as as a as a new actor a few years ago, I, I was I wanted to try out different releases and, and I didn't really understand the differences between them. Um, and you know, I, I took a I took a bit of a, a leap of faith buying a, a certain yeah uh, hinge release, and um, I, I never I didn't know much about it. I didn't really know how it was fired you know you can read a lot of stuff on the internet but it's again you've got to sift through stuff and try and yeah yeah if you don't know what you're looking for how do you know what you're looking for kind of thing um so i think if we can try i, I wanted to that was one of the things i wanted to try and um change with colston was uh uh create a company that, that uh made a high quality product but also Put as much information about that product out there, yeah. so you know how to adjust it. Um, you know how it should fire. You know the firing process. Um, you, you know all these sorts of things, yeah. basically. It was. A, it was when uh, like when we both started, we were just kind of geeking out on information and wanting to have conversations with people. And and um, like you would, you would. I'd get a text from you saying, "Oh, I've been reading up about this this release. I think this would be a really good one." And then. The next day, I'd get another one saying, "Oh, I've found another release," and you just kind of bounce from one to another because that's the only, the only way you can find information is by searching forums and and following threads and bouncing around and stumbling on things rather than there being one one particular uh, place on the internet or one one particular place where you can go and get information. Uh, which is another reason why we did that. Uh, we started the Colson Artery Group last night on Facebook as well. So we have a a Colson Artery Group on Facebook where people can pop on there and just have conversations about hopefully about all our products uh, and give us give us any feedback that they've got or uh, ideas for other stuff that uh, 
they think might fit the remit that we can um, look at and discuss and have ideas bouncing off there. So, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. uh, making yeah. making that com- community um, would be would be really really cool once once these are out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, having, you know, having hundreds or thousands of people, you know, um, t- testing things in in the real world. Um, you know, as, as a company, it, it's it's as a small company like we are. You know, just two guys. It's very very difficult to, to simulate that or, or to yeah. even do that. More or less impossible. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's no way we can afford to send out say a thousand releases and go. Okay, guys, test these for a month. Get back to us, and then we'll make yeah. any changes. You know, it, it it would just kill the company off before yeah. before we start. So we've done as much testing as we possibly can. Um, I think our uh, using the machinists that we've used is a very good uh, a very good thing. You know, how, uh, being able to go down to five microns if you want to, uh, and having as little play uh, in the mechanism as we have it is is just a godsend, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, using the materials that we have. Uh, yeah. Excellent. I, I think it is just. I think that one's going to go well. I mean, I think the, the other ideas we've got for the releases have uh, come quite organically as well. Yep. I mean, yep. a lot of I think there's a lot of release aids out there that, that or mechanisms out there that, uh, or potential mechanisms I should say that, that haven't been utilised, um, like a uh, um, like the one I did a few weeks ago, the, the, the resistance activated wrist strap. Um, so if, for anyone listening, basically what you're trying to do is just you're trying to find a mechanism um, that will allow a surprise shot, uh, so you don't want to know when the release is going to fire. Um, you just want to know that it is going to fire if you do a certain a certain action. So, for example, a resistance activated, you'd hook onto your, hook onto your, 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 your string, draw the bow, aim, and then you would just increase the tension. So you'd, you'd basically trying to pull the bow apart. You're trying to pull the string, and you're trying to push the bow forwards, and the resistance will build. A little bit higher than your holding weight, and then then if you've done the mechanism right and it and the spring rate is right and everything else, uh, the release will fire. Um, so that's that's not been done for. There are no resi- I cannot find any resistance activated wrist strap releases. Yeah. Um, so hunters, this would be perfect because they like using wrist strap releases because it's it's just attached to the wrist. It leaves their other hand free if they're trying to climb or do things with, with both hands, and they can do. Um, they don't lose the release, and they, they can get the accuracy that a resistance activated release uh, affords. Um, so I think there's there's room, there's definitely room for innovation. I think we can because we're a small company, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, because we can do low enough numbers that, that if it's if it's not an idea that sits well, or if, it, if people just don't like it, then this you know it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna bankrupt the company or anything. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I think I think we're making the right progress and we're doing things in the in the right way. Definitely, uh, definitely. Well, this is uh, like I say, this this like the HT one, the first one. It's days away from being released, and we're just uh, just uh, ironing out a few things and assembling all the parts. I've got all the parts here, and I'm assembling them. Obviously, I sent ten over to Ash. Uh, he's just yep. assembling some of those back up again. Um, so yeah, we will uh, get them out. It'll be fantastic, and then. Uh, Hopefully, hear lots of uh, happy people saying, "Well, this is—I can't believe this has never been done before. This is really good. This is the, the shop process is completely different to anything I've ever felt, and it's really good." So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's—I'm it's, it's, not the best archer in the world by a long, by a long way, but um, I can get—I can get pretty accurate with it. You know, sub, sub archers MOA. You know, so um, you know, le- you know, at thirty yards, that's, you know, less than a three-inch group, and so on. Yep. Uh, even with my bow with no stabilizer, so I've, I've, I've changed my bow around a little bit more, taken the stabilizer off, yep. uh, moved smooth the sight all the way in, just so it's a very low-profile, compact package. Yeah. Um, I haven't really seen any. You know, even with that kind of setup, I can still still be pretty accurate with this uh, with this AT1 release. Brilliant. Uh, um, did you did you do you want to talk about sort of the approach to? Um, Selling because we were we were toying with the idea seriously of just doing like a direct sales service through the website, weren't we? Yeah, and it's um, I'm interested to know everybody's view on this actually because there's there's a couple of schools of thought. Um, well, there's there's quite a few schools of thought. There's obviously there's a direct direct uh, direct selling in terms of you go to, straight to our website and you buy it straight from the website. The uh, there's Benefits and drawbacks to that, pros and cons for that. Obviously, you've got complete control over 
what's going out and uh, when it's being delivered and what what uh, state it's being delivered to and you've got everybody's contact details if you need to um, and then there's the other idea or an other idea of getting it out into artery shops um, which takes the customer contact away from us and gives it gives the responsibility almost to the artery shop so you can't you can't guarantee what kind of customer satisfaction or customer um, experience they're going to have buying it from the artery shop and then you've also got other things of uh, we were we were talking about um, shipping them through Amazon because um, yeah. it's quite quite straightforward to do that um, I mean, I, I and that the, the massive it, advantage yeah. on that is obviously it's, it's the marketplace it's a huge marketplace and you still technically you've still got control over the customer experience because it's coming it's still sort of coming direct to you um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, yeah I've been thinking about it a lot over the last well the last year, I suppose, that, that we've we started this. I mean, because I, I, I've had some, I had some good experiences within shops. I've had some bad experiences there. Yeah. Um, so release aids, I think, is a little bit different because you, if you go into a shop, more often than not, you will try it out, which means they've got to take it out of the packet. Now, if you don't like it, fifty people might have tried that release before you actually buy it. Yeah. It's not like just a demo, a demo one. I mean, I've I've, I've even had to buy releases. Um, just in a in a plastic sandwich bag because they haven't had uh, the package has gone missing or something or oh, the package wow. has been damaged so they've yeah. just taken it out um, and it's kind of yeah you you just you don't have that direct contact with the with the manufacturer you know because if if we can if if me and you can sell it that the guys have direct line of of, of uh, contact to me or you the guys that have designed and actually engineered and built the thing and shipped it out to them yeah. Uh, which is so much better because if if there is any any problem, you know, the, the rarer case where there would be a problem either with shipping or it arrives damaged or whatever, they're in direct contact with us. We know way before um, uh, if, if it's that way, then if it goes through a shop because they might get back in touch with the shop, the shop would have to get back in touch with us. It, it's just a much longer chain of uh, a chain of communication. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the shop has to make their markup as well. Uh, which means that the things just need to be more expensive. If, yeah, if, it's pros yeah. and cons for both, isn't it? Because obviously you've then got you've then got our time taken up uh, doing the doing doing that side of things as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's uh, well, we'll definitely see how we, for the for the small number that we're going to sort out for the moment. Um, oh, it's definitely, definitely possible. Definitely to do that, that yeah, yeah. Well, I just think if 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 we wanted to want to keep it the, the kind of tight knit company that it is. Uh, in the future, even even if we if we if we grow quite a bit, um, keeping that communication is is yeah uh, yeah. I mean, the one yeah. the one good thing that we that we're going to have is we're going to have a big, a good online presence and a good online community, um, so people can people will be you hopefully will get people uh, and owners supporting each other as well. So, oh, I've had this issue with 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 this that I bought. So, well, actually, if you try it, if you try shooting it like this, it completely negates that issue, so just things like that, so hopefully yeah. we, can, uh, we can be one of the first to, first artery companies to do that as well, so. Yeah, because I mean, those things take time, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, bought, my, I bought my bike through a direct sales um, a channel, through uh, Canyon Bikes, which is based in Germany, and it was just, it was easy, it was much, much cheaper than, than buying through a shop or some, some sort of dealer, yeah. uh, the bike was at my house within a couple of days, um, I had a I had a problem with uh, the rear shock, not due to them. Uh, that was due to uh, Fox Racing, who, who supplied the uh, rear suspension shock. Um, but Canyon got in touch with me, sorted it. I just posted it off to them, and then they sorted it and posted it back. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was kind of like it's been a completely positive experience. You know, I mean, I've bought I've bought bows in the past as well from um, uh, from online stores, specifically one in the Netherlands, because um, they, they were they were cheaper, and it was just direct to my door, like I say, two, three days and it was there. Brilliant. Uh, like, packaged well, uh, no damage or anything, you know, and, and, it, and, the, and the guy was right there, available to email or contact, Brilliant. you know, if there were any problems. Yeah. Uh, so as long as, we, as long as we keep doing the promotion and we get people actually going to the website to purchase it, then uh, it's, it's, I don't think we're going to get to a stage for a while where we are um, overwhelmed by demand sort of thing. Um, yeah, so, 
Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to handle the amount that we, we the, the amount of traffic that we're kind of getting, unless it just just snowball mentally, um, in which case we'll have to uh, address that. But uh, yeah, and Europe's going to be limited by the, you know, the amount of machining time that's on hand and, and and you know how many things you can get machined in a in a given time. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, the, 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 to be fair, the machining company that we're using, they'll be able to, they can uh, they can turn around an awful lot. Um, in a yeah. reasonably short space of time. I mean, the the, the amount that we've had done, that um, so the machining time for that was it was it was about three three weeks, wasn't it? From here you go, can you please produce these? To here you go, here's a delivery. Um, yeah. And the actual number that we had produced, that wouldn't. I don't. I I can't see that time, uh, that delivery time, and uh, changing. If we upped it tenfold or, or a thousandfold, because it would, there's no. Uh, what am I trying to say? There's no. It's like the the length of time that it's going to take them to build to to machine them is very very small. Uh, whether they do a thousand or ten thousand, yeah, uh, obviously ten thousand slightly slightly more, but it's the machine setup time basically. You know, yeah, they told yeah. Well, when I when I set the machine up and then they can. Bang yeah, I mean, when I the plant, they had these huge Haas you know, machines, state-of-the-art things, you know, mm. and uh, they've got you know room on the pallets and stuff for so much for X amount of material. Yeah, um, they run twelve hours a day. Um, if there's any, if there's any sort of emergency or whatever, it will it will alert them and then they can come in and sort it. And it it's yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty good to be honest. Yeah, um, and like I say, they they have such like high tolerances. It's uh, uh it's it's. It's, it's awesome, um, which, I mean, which is one of the main reasons we didn't get stuff machined in China because um, the the uh, a couple of companies I emailed um, said the highest tolerances they could do were 100 microns, um, which was just it sounds very small. I mean, you know, it is very very small, um, but uh, but it just wasn't it just wasn't tight enough for us. I didn't want the rattly yeah yeah yeah. I didn't want the axles falling out. I didn't I didn't want all that sort of headache you know yeah um, so it definitely pays to get yeah it'll uh, take a, it'll take a while to kind of resource and uh, resource research and find the right one if we ever went to china um yeah exactly but, yeah. Uh, there's, plenty, there's plenty of there's plenty of machining cheaper. companies yeah and it wasn't much cheaper for similar numbers you know that the, the one-offs and the very very low numbers were cheaper about 50 percent cheaper than if we'd done it in the uk or us um but then you've got shipping and customs yeah, and then once you start getting the numbers up, the, the the numbers are on a par, and we can't visit the factory. We can't do all these other things. If you have any problems, there's a language barrier there, um, you know. And it's it's always nice to keep business in in your place of residence, or you know, yeah. in yeah. hey, in Canada, in the US, wherever. Especially for the first one, it was hugely hugely helpful to be able to go to the to go into the machine shop and say, look, this is what we're doing. How would you recommend us making? Is there anything on this design that we've done that you would recommend doing it a different way or anything yep. like that? So yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was really good. So, yeah, if I, you uh, want to look into the uh, the uh, Rob, the actual machinist guy that, that was doing it, you know, mm. he, I was getting him back and forth, and and uh, you yeah. know, we, we could walk through the the, eight, the 3D CAD, the 2D drawings and stuff, and we could work out better tooling tooling paths and profiles and stuff. And it was um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to follow our progress, um, we are literally a few days from releasing this HT1. Uh, you can go to colsonartery.com and uh, share that page out. And you can also find if you search Colson Artery on uh, Facebook um, and are we on Twitter. Is there a Colson Artery on Twitter? I know there's an Instagram. I think there might be. I, I use Instagram a lot. Too, well, I post on Instagram quite, yeah. quite regularly. The Instagrams, because I've done a fair few stories and, and posts and things, but the Instagram's linked in with the Facebook page, and then also you can find uh, the Facebook group as well, and you can ask to join. Uh, that It's a closed group, so just ask, ask to join, and then I'll, uh, I will uh, either myself or Ash will add you into it, and then you can have a chat to uh, any of the other guys down there um, who's in that group. Um, so yeah, just follow us up. And we're <laughs> incredibly excited to get this one out. It's been a long time. Well, actually, we keep saying it's been a long time. It hasn't. We're still under a year. Still yeah, under a yeah, year. Yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. middle of April we had the idea. 
So we're still yeah we yeah we started to use the CAD stuff in in that sort of time yeah I started working through a few CAD programs and then settled on Fusion 360 just because it's so easy to use yeah uh, and then um, yeah made a pretty rapid pretty rapid process of, of progress I mean I was I was doing it most days and, and at least even if I was writing I was still spending yeah. a little bit of time on Fusion just trying to get my head around it um, but it's uh, uh, yeah again if any if any listeners are, are, are listening. If any listeners are listening to this, yeah. If any listeners are interested in, in doing a bit of CAD or just trying to design something three D or even two D and stuff, uh, Fusion three hundred and sixty is is very very good. I mean, lots of people you know, try try to get me onto SolidWorks and things like that, but I just found them very very unintuitive. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. With Fusion, it's a 3D workspace, and if I wanted to draw something 2D, I just drew it 2D. If I wanted to draw a cube, I just drew a cube, a sphere, a sphere, a yeah. coil. Yeah. You do sp- it was just very, very easy to use. And if I didn't know how to do something, it was very easy to use a bit of logic and, and, and yeah. just work out how to do it just with the tools there. You know? Yeah. No, it, uh, seemed, but, it does seem like a very good intuitive, pro- intuitive um, program. I'm guessing the SolidWorks is almost... Uh, that's more of an industry standard where people are going to have years of experience on it as well. So diving into it, it's like diving into Photoshop. Diving mm-hmm. into Photoshop is so tough, but it's because it's an industry industry standard and people have been using it for years. It's a, it's a different different ball game. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. That's really, really good. It's, I still can't believe it. And, and the the other products that we're kind of designing and messing around with and, and uh, collaborating on are just... They're... <laughs> Like every time you put every time you pop a photo up on Instagram or I share a photo out or something, it's the amount of um, wow and feedback that you get is it's, it's really cool. It, it really does kind of inspire you to move on as well, uh, which has really helped me recently as well because I've been feeling rather overwhelmed with everything that's been going on and trying to uh, trying to um, prioritize. Not really pro- even prioritize, but just get things done in the right order and and uh yeah it's 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 been really helpful sharing things out and uh and talking to you and just hearing the buzz about it and everything it's yeah yeah it's fun. i think we might do something slightly different you know we're, we're i mean at the moment we've got we've got the ht1 uh done machine like like chris says ready to go um in a, in a few days but then i've got two other uh, designs that are more or less finalised for uh, wrist strap releases, so that'd be three wrist strap releases, and then three designs for handheld uh, releases as well. So in total, six six different releases, all with different mechanisms um, that just you know uh, take advantage of, of the individual mechanisms that they've got in there. Hopefully, they'll all, all uh, give us a price shot and be easy to use and be comfortable to use. Um, but yeah, I think we'll uh, I think we'll make some progress this year. Brilliant. Can't wait. Cannot wait. World domination. Hashtag world domination. So, uh, what about SpaceX then? SpaceX definitely world domination. <laughs> Segue into that's that their latest because we we skyped and watched the latest launch. Um, I can't remember what it was. It the fourteenth? I think it was the fourteenth. Uh, where they were they were sent they were sending the capsule up to uh, the space station and they were taking some uh, experiments up there. Uh, and I was watching the webcast afterwards, and the like the, the Q and A. They they do a NASA and SpaceX Q and A, and uh, the people uh, one of one of the one of the uh, journalists came up and asked the SpaceX representative. So uh, the landing of the stage one uh, it's starting to become rather routine. <laughs> is that uh, is that uh, I, is that starting to become the expectation now? And they were like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're starting to starting to nail it every single time, but it's still it's still definitely a secondary secondary uh, aim of the of the mission. But um, they were also talking, did you see the bit where they were talking about landing it on the um, on the drone ship when they were out at sea, yeah. and it's completely GPS orientated, uh, and the the drone ship is out there in in the middle of the waves, and the, the waves are bouncing it around all over the place, and it still managed to land right in the middle, even with all the all the movement of the ocean and the waves and everything. It was ridiculous, absolutely incredible. I, I I need to know how big that stage one is, because I have to I have to find out and how how heavy, because the way if you haven't seen 
anybody who's listening, if you haven't seen the stage one, SpaceX stage one landing on a drone ship, or it wasn't on the drone ship this last time, was it? It was they landed it. Um, landed yeah, landed it, it on land. At, uh, at Florida. Yeah. Yeah, landed it at Florida. Um, so it is. I can tell you, I'm just on here now. Um, it's it just uh, seventy meters. Seventy meters high. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what. Well, I'm not sure what that, that's the whole thing. I'm not sure what the. Uh, if Elon Musk uh, was here, he'd tell us how many hamsters that would hold. But uh... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. So that's that's for listeners that, that don't know. That's the Falcon Nine that they um, that they send up at the moment. Yeah. Um, it have the Falcon Heavy, which is coming nine of them. Which is it's basically just three Falcon Nines bolted together, uh, and then obviously the the middle one carries the payload. Uh, when they come back down, I think all three are going to split. Then all three Falcon Nine yeah. uh, stages are going to land separately at, at different on different, different drone ships. Uh, yeah, um, and they're currently you know, uh, you know, drone ships. I think they're going to land that one on land. Oh, they're landing. Well, it de- I think it depends on they were they were saying about that because uh, one of the journalists asked them what the difference is when when do they choose to do the land landing or the drone ship landing and. Uh, the lady answered and she said, it's not, it's not what you think, it's not, the, the reasons aren't what you think. It's not like if it's, if, it's really, um, if it's really cloudy, they don't always land on land because it's easier or, or things like that. It's, it's to do with the actual mission and the orbit that they, get, that they go into. So if you're going into a high Earth orbit, the, um, the stage one booster will be coming back down at a faster rate. So they need to use a longer burst um, to slow it down. And the longer burst is more... Was that one for land? I think the longer burst was more suited for a land landing rather than out on the drone ship. Um, so it seems to de- there seems to be a lot of other things, other determining factors that we kind of didn't even realise um, that they're kind of going, yeah, it's, it's actually... The reason why we land on a drone ship is nothing to do with whether we might kill somebody when it comes and falls over and blows up or something. It's, it's more to do with the actual mission and the trajectory of the, of the booster. It's, it's so interesting. You kind of get lost just watching all the, all the interviews. It's fantastic. Yeah, because I, I think the, uh, in order for stage one to come back, it has to obviously boost burn back yeah. to land again. Because yeah, obviously yeah. They, they go up at an arc. Because uh, I think, like I heard Musk saying, there's not really, there's not a, uh, uh, there's not an, there's not an orbit out uh, altitude. It's not like you have to get to a certain altitude to get to orbit. It's, it's yeah. a velocity. Yeah. Um, so you just have to be going fast enough. It's not necessarily high enough. Yeah. Uh, and then the faster you're going, the more that was it. The, the faster you're going, the more fuel they will have used to get there, and therefore the more fuel that they need to use to boost back from to where they've come from. And then landing on land, you can effectively use uh, you. You only need to use a little bit less fuel. Um, so they're using like ninety-five percent of the fuel just to get up there, and then they use a little bit to boost back, and a little bit, a little bit to uh, on the entry burn, and then a little bit on the landing burn. That's yeah. just so cool. The engine. I mean, the engineering of that is is just next level. I mean, it's you know. I mean, we're we. Our arch releases, we, we are basically just rubbing sticks together. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know whether we're doing that, dude. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, we're it's, the two apes who are banging sticks together going, Duh! <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, yeah, they've obviously got a, a hugely talented group of people there. I, I did, I did, I was reading about the um, the avionics engineer that, that basically is the head of, of the oh, department yeah. that gets the rocket back to, uh, back to Earth and lands. Um, but like, it, it is the most important thing to, to get the space, get the cost down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you know the analogy is that, that Musk has said numerous times um, that you know if you had to you have to throw a passenger jet away every single time you used it, hardly anyone would would could afford to fly because you know seven four seven is three hundred million dollars and a round trip would be six hundred million dollars. Yeah. You know, and that's that's basically what NASA NASA We're would do it. Yeah. Something like the Saturn Five. Um, I can't believe they kept doing it as well. Well, okay, was, was it, did it really need somebody? Well, I suppose it must have done because it it did. But I can't believe it took that long for somebody to go. Well, can't we reuse it? <laughs> well, 
Well, like with the space launch system that NASA are doing now, which will be the heavy the heavy launch rocket that they're doing, it, it uses space shuttle parts. Yeah. Amongst other things, and it, it, it you know, they're just they're just a huge bureaucratic entity. I mean, you know, they still do incredible things. They have done. You know, and they'll continue to do so. But they're just SpaceX aren't limited like that because they're a private company and they and they have like a a Silicon Valley background. You know, a very very fast innovation. Um, I, I read one story in um, in the biography of uh, Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. I need to read that. Have a chance. Yeah, read that book. It's very very good. Um, he says they had a, had some sort of software problem uh, whilst the rocket was on the launch pad. This was going back to maybe Falcon One. Mm-hmm. And um, they just decided to, to upload some new software, fix the problem whilst it was on the launch pad, and just launched. Yeah. Well, they, had one, they had one this they time, would, didn't they? They would put down for a couple of weeks. They would have done all sorts of investigation, yeah. like, uh, risk stuff, or whatever, you know. But because they, they're not necessarily bound by, um, you know, they're still bound by the same, you know, uh, airspace rules and things. But because the, the, as a company, they're not bound by the same rules, they don't operate in the same way, they can just make some rapid progress. They just, um, have, they, just have, they just seem to have so much fun with it, though. Like, the drone ship is called I Still Love You. It's like, it's, there's, there's just so much, I don't know, little, little nods to people, and what are they calling, um, oh, they're calling, they're calling, what are they called? one of the ships that they're going to, the it's, moon it's, or Mars? Heart of, heart of Gold, there you go. Yeah. And, and it has 42 and 42 Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so the answer, it's got the answer to the only, universe. Only because it, it's it's his favourite book, or one that he was he used to read as a uh, you know Musk used to read as a, read as a teenager. I just, I mean, it's, it's just so quite, many of those little nods. It's funny, but it's kind of like it, it's um, it makes sense in a way. Yeah, it makes sense because you know, engineering wise, it makes sense because then they've got redundant engines and stuff, and they don't need to push each engine uh, as hard when you know, when when they're boosting up and stuff. But you, can um, you imagine? There must have been a conversation. How many? How many? How many engines should we use? And they were like, going, "Well, we need we need twenty seven to be able to get up there, and so maybe, maybe if we had thirty two, it would be definitely getting up there. So we need some redundancy. So that would maybe take it to thirty eight, thirty nine, and then Elon Musk goes, "Can we just use forty two? Because yeah. it's my favourite book. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's just it's the number. Yeah, because it's the number. It's just brilliant." I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that in our lifetime, you, you know, people will be going to Mars, and if SpaceX is successful, then people will be going to Mars en masse. You know, a lot of people will be going in a single trip. Yeah. Um, and if we make enough money on our lifetimes with various business ventures or whatever, um, then you can go. <laughs> you, you can pay. I go to Mars. Yeah, I mean, one of the funny, one of the funny things that, that Musk says as well is about astronauts. And the way to way NASA's traditionally had astronauts, they've come through the Navy uh, or, or the Air Force or whatever. They've been test pilots, very, very highly skilled guys. Yeah. Um, and he says, well, the, you know, the, if that needs to be the case, very, very few people will be able to go because they just can't get the training or that, that number of people just doesn't exist on, on Earth. Um, and then uh, he says something about, you know, we sent some mice up on uh, on the last, you know, on some experiment. He says they were not flying the rocket. Uh, <laughs> So he says, he says, you know, we can we can control things, you know, with computers now, remotely, and all the rest of it, and and you know, the, the passengers on board, will, you know, to Mars, say, will not need to be grabbing a joystick and flying yeah. the thing, you know? yeah, uh, because you know, would you really want to put it in the hands of a human anyway, uh, when when you've got that many lives on board or whatever? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure the last one that I was watching the live live web web um, thing where um, it went up and it um, hitched with the ISS, the International Space Station, and I'm pretty sure all that was computer controlled. They were, they just had an override button of, okay, now go within 30 feet. Okay, now go within 20 feet. Okay, now go within six feet. Okay, now you can move up closer to three feet, and then and then they just they, they hitched it from there. And it was the the video, the live feed video of watching it get closer and closer and closer, and it's it's all computer controlled. And like, like I said, landing on the drone ships, that was all GPS controlled. It's like yeah, there we go. That's where you need to land. Off you go, go and land. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is scary the amount of the amount of automation that, that's that's coming very soon. I mean, if you go on the you on the Tesla website, you can watch um, like I did the other day a Model S 
not not driving on the highway, driving itself round country roads, up and down hills, cambered turns, um, roads with like pretty sketchy road markings on that that wouldn't be necessarily be that clear to a camera. Oh wow! Uh, there's a guy there's a guy sat in there and it drives back to the Tesla factory and just yeah. parks itself. Um, mental. I, I've heard must say you know having having self-driving car or, or manually driven cars or mostly manually driven cars in say five to ten years is, is going to be a rarity. Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy and it, it, it will come a lot quicker than than uh, than we're thinking. So start stocking up on ammo and uh, on ammo <laughs> and tin food. <laughs> You've got to admire the way that he approaches everything as well because. The the amount of journalists who try to rattle him um, will come out and say, uh, "Oh yeah, but your your Tesla crashed." I said, "Yeah, well, we've worked it out. It's every million miles will have a fatality. We're trying to change the world here. <laughs> what do you want?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's it's. I mean, I think they've had I don't know four or five um, fires in some or less. It may be more or something, but it's still it's still so much safer than a. I think in, in the States, there's something like, I can't remember the number, it's it's something crazy, like 40,000 or 400,000 uh, car gasoline fires. Uh, there was an interesting year. thing. I went and I did, a fo- I did a photo shoot on Wednesday. It wasn't particularly an interesting thing, but it, 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 it perked, my, perked my ears up. Uh, I did a photo shoot on Wednesday. It was uh, a Mazda Cosmo, uh, which anybody who doesn't know has got a rotary engine. So, because it's got a triple rotary engine, he lived nearby to some uh, to a wind farm. Uh, so we kind of did a, a, a link between the two. Well, it's got a rotary engine. Let's go and photograph it in front of some rotary windmills. Um, so we went up there, photographed it, and um, we were chatting to him afterwards. And he said there was there was so much uh, so much backlash from the from this wind farm. And there's another one on the on the hill opposite as well. He said that there was a big protest for those and people were saying, oh, you, they make such a, such a loud noise, you can hear them from miles and you can't. You, you, I had to be standing right underneath one and recording it with my iPhone to hear the vump, vump, vump of the blades going round. So they, they don't make any noise at all. And then he said, yeah, one of the, one of the protests was they kill birds. How many, how many birds are going to, it's just, how many birds are going to get killed by a wind farm compared to being sucked into a jet engine or being run over by a car on the on the highway? It's like you're clutching at straws and trying to make completely meaningless arguments for something that's going to change. And I was sitting there and I was looking at them. Uh, so I was on the top of one hill and they had the wind farm in front of me on that hill. And then behind us, like over the valley, was another hill. And there's just something about these wind farms that that almost add to the they add to the landscape uh, in a aspirational sort of we're trying to uh, we're trying to we're trying to grasp energy from other places and actually make a difference. Um, you're not trying to you're not trying to burn liquid by dino dust. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It was it, the, the, it, has, it has to move on at some point. It's got to. Run out. It will. You know. I mean, we, we obviously use it for plastics, tires. God knows how many other yeah. you know, stuff. But the um, more electric cars that come onto the road, the better, because that means I can still run my Galant like years into the into the future. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not going to be driving it all the time, but I I, I do want to drive it. When I'm 60, that would be great. <laughs> but I'll, I'll have an electric car as soon as I can get an electric car like this, especially a Tesla. Well, I mean, and it's like the Model S now. It, it's a yeah, executive saloon type thing. Mm. It does. I think didn't Motor Trend or someone test it, and it's done not 16, 2.2 something seconds. Oh, it's ridiculous! Absolutely bonkers. Two, two seconds. I mean, if that that just shows you the the sheer power and efficiency and and torque potential of an electric motor. There was. Uh, there was a, a press release because when it came out, it was the uh, model Model X? Is it Model X? Model X is the four door one. Is that right? Uh, yeah, with the with the, with the gull wing doors or the the eagle wing doors. So the Model X was released and it did naught to sixty in something like two point nine seconds um, when it was released. And then a few months later, 
they sent out an update to all the cars. So just like, yeah, just, uh, it was. It was. I was reading on the on the website. I said, yeah, just just uh, connect your car to the internet and just download the update. Uh, it will do all these things. We've we've sorted out, uh, or we've we've changed the way this works, and we've changed we've um, opened up the locking mechanism and sorted out all these issues. And then right down the bottom is like, and it will now do not sixteen two point seven seconds. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've increased. We've increased your performance by 0.2 of a second, 0 to 60 over the internet. It's there's a uh, there's an amazing video actually of I'm not what, what is the Alfa Romeo uh, supercar? Is it is it the 4C or the 8C or something? Oh, which one's the? I think it's the 4C. The supercar's the 4C, I think, and then the production production sports car is the 8C. I think that's right. So it might be the AC. Anyway, there's a video on, online. You best find on YouTube if you just do a quick search uh, of a Model X uh, with a trailer on it, yeah. with a four C on the trailer, doing a drag race against a four C on its own, and it wins. No way! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just got all that torque from, from zero reps. I mean, it, it, it's going to slay anything. Oh. But yeah, not to sixty at least. So, you know, it, it loses out at a higher. Higher so speed. when when um, when or even now, if you want to do it now, uh, when we when we finish this podcast, just go and have a look and search for the uh, Tesla Coupe um, slash Cabriolet that somebody's rendered and designed. So they've taken a, they've taken the Model S uh, and just rendered a rendered a Cabriolet Coupe job. It looks fantastic. It looks really cool. <laughs> so uh, think if they actually you know, a few years from now, once they've done their their Model Three and the, you know the other mass market things, a truck, a bus. The, if they just did, okay, we're going to do a hypercar now because we can. Yeah. I mean, four wheel drive. You know, uh, tons of luggage space anyway. Yeah. Uh, you, hardly anything to go wrong. It regenerative braking, all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if they can get it lightweight, you know, I mean, if the battery technologies come along, which it, which it should do, um, it will just slay anything. I mean, I, I can't see. I mean, I know, I know. Um, Koenigsegg has done the uh, Regera now, haven't they? Yeah, with and then Rimac with have done a few direct drive, um, but it's, it's not. It still has a it still has an internal combustion engine. Um, but I can't imagine that they're going to do many more hybrids like that until they just transfer transition to electric. Maybe some companies will never transition to electric just because that's that's the kind of you know um, there's a beauty in in the top of V12. Sound, yeah. rest of it. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely there's definitely a kind of a nostalgia to the noise, but um, I think it'll be. I think I think it'll turn more into a luxury. Uh, yeah. Everybody will be driving around in electric cars because why? I, I, Elon Musk's his kind of attitude to it all is, I want to make it so it's a why wouldn't you situation it's like with the with the solar roofs that he did. Well, I, if if I can bring if I can bring the price of a solar tile down to the same price as a normal tile, then why wouldn't you have a solar roof? Uh, it's yeah. the same. It's the same issue. Why wouldn't you have a Tesla? If you're going to buy a brand new car now, it's a four wheel, four door family car. Why wouldn't you buy a Tesla? Um, yeah, you've got more lovely space because you've got no yeah. engine front. You've got a front. Yeah, you know I mean? totally safe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 I'm, if I can get enough money and stuff, we get over to Canada and. Uh, your house prices, are, especially in the areas we're looking, house prices are just so, so cheap. But I mean, well, <laughs> this this makes me cry. <laughs> this makes me quite cross as well. A little bit further north, you, you could, there's a place with 140 acres, right? You've got a couple of big lakes or ponds on there. You've got a, a year-round creek running through. You've got water rights to it. Uh, it has the most amount of sunshine in all of BC, tw- 2,200 hours a year. It's like 315 days or something of yeah. sun, or you should be guaranteed that the sun will shine. Um, it's like $500,000, which is about £300,000. It's a, it is a no-brainer that, you, that you'd be somewhere like that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll definitely look to get something like that because you can install solar panels, you can charge it. It costs next to nothing to fill the tank up. Um, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. It's no-brainer. No-brainer. Right, I think I'm going to have to. Uh, you have to scoot Shoot. off. Uh, there's yeah. uh, Polymath episode, episode 30. Um, and we will try and get, uh, especially with the uh, release of the HT1 coming up as well, we'll definitely try to get it uh, online and uh, get these out a little bit more regularly. I've got a few interviews uh, coming up that uh, for the interview part of the podcast. 
Um, so, but we'll definitely get a few more of these ones out. Cool. It's always always good fun to kind of catch up with you. So, yeah, anything you want to say before you scoot off? Um, I'm too tired. <laughs> He's keeping you up. He's keeping you up. You get out there and go go uh, cross country skiing or something, or go ice fishing. Yeah, I need to. I need to do that. We had a we not had at all jealous. Today, so I'm going to get up to uh, Sovereign Lake here in Vernon and uh, brilliant. Cross country skiing. All right, dude. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll awesome. catch you in a bit. Virtual high five. See you in a bit. Take care. Have a good All one. Right.